As we are about to open our Bibles and hear God's Word read and proclaimed, let us just pause and ask the Lord to bless us in this. Let us pray. Gracious and loving Father in Heaven, we pray that our hearts are well prepared to worship You now in hearing Your Word. Oh, it's so easy for us to think that this is just a human enterprise. After all, you have chosen to use an earthen vessel, sinful just like all of us, and to speak through him. This is very humbling to us, that we should hear you speak through one who is just like us. So may you use all of this to remind us that we need your spirit so that we truly worship you in the hearing of your word. Grant your grace and your spirit to your servant to be used of you to say those things you want him to say. We pray that you will remove any obstacle even of his physical presence so that we would not be distracted in any way so each of us, we need your, your spirit at work in us so that we truly worship you now in hearing you speak to us. We do pray this, that we would do this for your honor and glory and for our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're back in the book of Leviticus. We had a little hiatus last Sunday for Thanksgiving. So we're going to consider the last of the five offerings. We're going to read from Leviticus chapter 5. We'll read starting at verse 14 through chapter 6, verse 7. See it in the bulletin. And that's also our text this morning for the sermon. Leviticus 5, 14 through 6, verse 7. Let us give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Leviticus 5, starting at verse 14. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If a person commits a trespass and sins unintentionally in regard to the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring to the Lord as his trespass offering a ram without blemish from the flocks, with your valuation in shekels of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary as a trespass offering. And he shall make restitution for the harm that he has done in regard to the holy thing, and shall add one-fifth to it and give it to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering, and it shall be forgiven him. If a person sins and commits any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he does not know it, yet he is guilty and shall bear his iniquity. And he shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish from the flock, with your valuation as a trespass offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him regarding his ignorance in which he erred and did not know it, and it shall be forgiven him. It is a trespass offering. He has certainly trespassed against the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or about a pledge, or about a robbery, or if he is extorted from his neighbor, or if he has found what was lost and lies concerning it, and swears falsely, and any one of these things that a man may do in which he sins, then it shall be, because he has sinned and is guilty, 
that he shall restore what he has stolen or the thing which he has extorted or what he was delivered to him for safekeeping or the lost thing which he found or all that about which he has sworn falsely. He shall restore its full value, add one-fifth more to it, and give it to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish from the flock, with your valuation as a trespass offering to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any one of these things that he may have done in which he trespasses. As far as reading of God's word, may he bless also the proclamation of it. Dear brothers and sisters, beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Earlier for our scripture reading for law in Ephesians 2, especially in verse 8, we read about being saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. In other words, it's not by works. Verse 9 says, not of works lest anyone should boast. And you see the reason why faith and salvation cannot be of ourselves, cannot be of works. The reason is because until we are saved, that is, by grace have been given hearts to repent and believe in Jesus Christ, until then, we are dead. That's why that chapter begins by saying, And you he made alive who were dead, dead in trespasses. Well, now we have to see the depth of understanding, this truth about trespasses, and the death that comes from these trespasses. To deeply understand this, that's found in the Old Testament. And especially it's found in the truth which God gives us in the trespass offering. Trespasses make us guilty. And God instituted the trespass offering to provide a clearing of guilt from his people. In other words, so they would know forgiveness. Let's be reminded, we saw this as we've been going in, in Leviticus, that God calls and he makes a holy people. And Leviticus is about making a nation, a people of priests. And we have seen in the past how we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism, for example, that we share in Christ's anointing to be prophets, priests, and kings. That's what it means to be a Christian. So Leviticus essentially is teaching us how to be Christians, and specifically to be priests. Our theme is, as you see in the bulletin too, in the trespass offering, God shows his justice and forgiveness for specific sins which violate God's rights and man's rights. According to the Bible, a trespass is a certain kind of sin. It's a sin which is against the rights of others, either God or man. 
Some English translations of the Bible use the term guilt offering for this trespass offering. And that's because, well, the truth of guilt, guilt before God and guilt before men, that's very much a part of this offering. But the word literally is trespass, trespass offering. Obviously because of what trespasses are. I think even the younger children probably know what it is to trespass. It's to pass over, to step over a line, a boundary. And of course, that boundary is God's law. So, you know, if you think of a no trespassing sign, I don't know if they're very common anymore, but when I grew up out in the country, we used to see trespassing signs. Farmers had put them up all over the place. Basically, a no trespassing sign means it's my land, don't come on it without my permission, to put it simply. So to trespass is to violate another's rights concerning his property or his possessions. All trespasses are sins, but again, they're sins of a certain kind. Let's begin in our first point. The specific sins which trespass against God and cause man to be guilty before him, that is, before God. You see this especially in Leviticus 5, 15 through 19. In verse 15, it speaks of unintentional trespasses in regard to the holy things of the Lord. So here again is something that's done, and we discussed this also in our discussion time two Sundays ago, I guess. But this has to do with things done in ignorance, where you aren't intending it or you didn't know about it. And we saw it before that even though it's unintentional, man is still responsible and he's still guilty for it. And again, here we're considering that which violates God's rights. So these kinds of trespasses are directly against God, and man's rights are not violated here. And a rather easy and specific example, we saw this again in a, uh, before, we'll see it now again, in Joshua 7, about the story of Achan. When Israel destroyed Jericho, they were to take nothing of the spoils. It was the first place that God gave them victory, and it was supposed to be all given to the Lord. It was like a tithe. And later on, God said, you know, here's all the stuff you can have, right? So they had lots. But for now, they were to have nothing of it. It was all, it was contraband. The New King James uses the term accursed. And what it really means is, it all belonged to God. They were to take nothing. And to take of it, therefore, was a trespass against what belonged to God, against God's rights. And I'm sure you know the story, how Achan took of it. And he took willfully, he took knowingly. In other words, he took intentionally with a disregard to God's command. So I know we're not supposed to take this, but I'm taking it. So that was Achan. But we also read that the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. 
in Joshua 7, verse 1. So Achan willfully trespassed, and in his trespass, Israel, the church at that time, also trespassed. But for them it was unintentional. But again, as we're starting out here, this is a trespass against what is directly against God, right? There are a few other examples of trespasses that we can quickly just kind of consider. We won't go into any detail. But again, these are trespasses against God's rights, against God's ownership, right? One of them is, you can read about this in number six, when a Nazarite would fail to keep his vow. That's a trespass. Or when someone would eat of that which belonged only to the priest to eat. That was a violation, a trespass against what belongs to God. And we've seen this in the past in Leviticus, that when the priests eat of it, it's as if, it's as if God was eating it, right? Because they are there in God's place. So that was a trespass against what belongs to God. Also, if you think about it, the worship of idols and worship of false gods, that's a trespass against God. It's a violation of God's right to be the only one who is to be worshipped. Right? Another example would be to withhold the first fruits. The tithe. It is a trespass because God says they belong to me. So we went over that kind of quickly, but we have to face the question. Do we still today, do we have such things as trespasses against holy things? That is, things which belong directly to God. Well, I'm sure we all would agree, obviously one of them is keeping back ties. That's a violation of what God says man is to give to him. One-tenth is what God says specifically belongs to him. And if you don't give it, the Bible literally says you're robbing God. You can read it in Malachi 3, verse 8. So you've committed a trespass in that. But there is also something else. We need to see, brothers and sisters, we, as believers as those who are brought to salvation in Jesus Christ, we belong to God. Right? We're His property. The easiest verse for that is 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You don't own yourself. God bought us to own us. We belong to him. And therefore, we are called to glorify him. We are to honor God. We are to serve God in everything that we are, in everything that we have, in everything that we do. And the point is, when we fail to do this, we trespass against God's rights. 
He has a right to us. And when we do not glorify him, we violate his rights. So we trespass. We cheat and rob God with the wrong use of money, with the wrong use of time for work, wrong use of time for worship, and on and on. Oh, I pray we all, personally and together, see and confess that we are indeed guilty of many trespasses. And again, it's the way of death that leads to eternal death. So we need God's forgiveness. And we're going to see that in our third point. But first of all, let's go on to our second point. Secondly, we see the specific sins which trespass against one's neighbor and cause man to be guilty before God. This is especially in Leviticus 6, verses 2 through 7. It's very clear we are guilty before God for what we do in relation to brothers and sisters in Christ or to our neighbor. And again, remember, our neighbor is not necessarily the person who lives next door to us, but it's anyone God brings in our path of life, right? The parable of the Good Samaritan teaches us that. And the sins that are listed here, which are done against the neighbor, these are trespasses. Because they have to do with the property or the rights of the neighbor. So in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 6, we see five different cases, and we'll go over them kind of quickly. The first case is lying about something which you were given for safekeeping. In Exodus 22, we have some details of this, and it's a few verses I want to read. I'll read it kind of quickly. But it happens to be Exodus 22, verses 7 to 11, if you want to make a reference to that. So this is about lying about something you were given for safekeeping. So listen to this. Exodus 22, 7 through 11. If a man delivers to his neighbor money or articles to keep, there you have it, the safekeeping thing. So money or articles to keep, and it is stolen out of the man's house. If the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought to the judges to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. For any kind of trespass, whether it concerns an ox, a donkey, a sheep, or clothing, or any kind of lost thing which another claims to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges, and whomever the judges condemn shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man delivers to his neighbor a donkey, an ox, or a sheep, or an animal, to keep, and it dies, is hurt, or driven away, no one seeing it, then an oath of the Lord shall be between them both, that he has not put his hands into his neighbor's goods, and the owner of it shall accept it, and he shall not make it good. So, in short, if you have something which you were to keep for someone else, and the thing is lost or stolen, then you have to prove that you didn't take it. 
And if it can't be found, then you are called to swear an oath in God's name that you didn't take it. And if you swear, no, I didn't take it, then that's accepted and there is no guilt. Of course, God knows if you're telling the truth, right? And he's the ultimate judge in terms of this kind of a trespass. That's the first one. The second one is lying about a pledge. Now, a pledge is something that was taken for security. So an example of this in Exodus 22 as well, in verses 26 and 27, it says this. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering. It is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And it will be that when he cries to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. So here's a matter of you take somebody's coat as an example. You take it as security. So the security is, you know, that he'll pay you back the money that you loaned him or something like that. Or you take security of a coat again for something that you borrowed him, maybe your shovel. All right? And then the person pays back the money you borrowed. Or he returns the shovel, just as an example. But then you don't give him back his coat. That's what this is about. Well, that's a trespass against his property. And it even says that you have to give him back his coat before the night so that he can be warm at night. Or you have trespassed against him. A third example is lying about a robbery. So if someone has stolen something, and you know about it, then it's your duty to tell the truth about that. And if you lie about it, even by not saying anything, you trespass against his property. See, this applies to what is sadly common. I have seen this. Where someone sees something, sees someone taking something, from somebody else, or someone damaged the property of somebody else, but the person who saw it, you know, he doesn't want to say anything. You know, he says, I don't want to get involved. Well, according to God's law, you are involved. Because you saw it. And to not report it is a trespass against the person whose property was stolen or damaged or whatever. So that's a kind of a trespass. And then the fourth example is extortion from a neighbor. Well, there are many examples in the Bible where we read about this sin. And it is basically taking advantage of someone so that you get more money from him than something is worth. So, for example, you sell something and you pretend that it works good. Or you pretend and you declare that it's way better than it actually is. So you get more money for it. That's a trespass against his property and his rights. And you see, according to the world, also the world today, most of the time the idea is the buyer beware. But for believers, for God's people, we are to give what we call full disclosure. In other words, tell as much as you know. 
or even say, I'm selling this as is. I'm not sure how long this is going to run. I remember selling a motorcycle once to a friend of mine, of all things. And the next week, the thing just basically fell apart. I mean, he had to repair everything on it. And I said, I didn't know. I really sold it to you like it was. I gave him a good price for it anyway, so I didn't extort from him. But it's very tempting to do this, especially if you want to get a little extra, right? And who doesn't want a little extra? And then the last example is in verse 3 there in Leviticus 6. The fifth one, to lie about something you found. It's, you claim it that it's yours without really trying to find who the owner is. And then you even swear that it's yours. So that's a trespass. There are a few other cases in the Bible where trespasses are shown or as examples. Uh, maybe a few that we don't really think about too often, but adultery, sexual sin, fornication too. That's a trespass because it violates the rights of someone else. And also, there's a trespass in seducing a young girl who is a virgin. It violates her rights. That's why some governments have very serious penalties for sex with a minor. And even the country, the government of Suriname, where for those of you who are visitors, we have a school there as RCM, and I'm the headmaster there. But the government there, I've learned, has very serious, very strict results, very serious penalties for someone who engages in this kind of thing. Well, in all of these cases, brothers and sisters, we have to see that just as God has rights of property, so he also grants those rights to his people. The right to own things, the right to have property. And as his people, we are to be holy also in how we, you know, view another person's property. You know, the way we even take care of his property and so on. And we need to teach our children and the young people to be careful how they treat the property of others. In other words, you don't just take things. You know, I've seen it many times where somebody took something and then the child says, well, I was going to give it back. The owner has rights. And you are to honor his rights by asking could I use this? I'll bring it back. Ask him if you can borrow it, and so on. And also about how things are used. You know, if you break it, and then you return it, and you hope he won't notice. That's a trespass, too. So others have rights. Rights of ownership, rights of property, and we have to be careful about trespassing against them. Because it's very important to see. If we misuse or cheat someone else in terms of their possessions, their property, we also make ourselves guilty before God. So it's not just that we have a guilt with the person, but also with God. If you look at chapter 6, verse 2, when it talks about these cases that trespass against a neighbor... If you look at it, it says, if a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord, and then it says, by, and then it speaks about 
things against the neighbor, right? So do you see it? Our relationship to our neighbor, that involves our relationship to God. So even in this, once again, we see all of life is religious. All of life has to do with our relationship to God. All of life is that we are to be a priestly people. So it's not just about, in the old days, you know, in the Old Testament, going to the tabernacle or temple and doing these these ceremonial things, but it's all of their lives. And that's the way it is for us too. It's not just coming to church. That's a religious part of my life. It's all of my life. I'm supposed to be a priest. Christ has restored me to that. So we need to see, God will not allow himself to be defrauded or cheated out of his rights. And he will not allow his people to be defrauded or cheated out of their rights either. And again, it's actually quite repeated there in our scripture reading. But this is true even if it's done unintentionally. You know where it says in chapter 5 verse 17, though he does not know it. In other words, it's done in ignorance. He still is guilty of a trespass. And you know, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 10 says that thieves and extortioners will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's serious stuff. Trespasses mean we will not inherit the kingdom of God. We have no part in it. So you see, the people back then, and also we today, we need to know, we need to know God's forgiveness. And let's look at that at our last point. So our third point is God's forgiveness is known through confession of guilt and through payment by an offering and by making restitution. Oh, brothers and sisters, I don't know a dramatic enough way to say this. But I pray the Spirit really uses it in each of our hearts, mine included. That one of the sweetest sounds to a believer is God saying, I forgive you. I forgive you. And catechism students, we went over this already. Forgiveness doesn't mean I'll forget about it. Forgiveness means I won't hold it against you. Right? To know forgiveness takes away the greatest burden we can have. Yeah, we have many burdens and hardships. But the greatest is to carry around a sense of guilt and shame for our sins. And to be freed from that burden. There is nothing better. There is nothing sweeter. And this morning, once again, God calls us and he teaches us how we can get rid of that burden. And yeah, the first thing that God calls us to do is... To admit our guilt. 
In our text, the people were to bring a trespass offering to the Lord. It's so important to understand. In bringing this trespass offering to the Lord, they were basically doing two things. They were admitting that they were guilty for a trespass. But also, they were putting their trust in God to take away that guilt. And so we see the offering they were to bring was to be a ram without blemish. Now, earlier in Leviticus, you know, in the sin offering, I don't know if those of you who were there remember this, but in the sin offering, there were different kinds of offerings. And it depended on the person's place, you know, his status or his ability. So, you know, one person was supposed to bring a bull, and the other person could bring a bird, right? He couldn't afford a bull. So there were different offerings allowed. But here, in the trespass offering, there's only one kind of offering. Why? What's the difference? Well, it's because to God, the mattership of ownership and rights, which we've just gone over in our first two points, that's the same for everybody, no matter how high and how wealthy or how low and poor you are. When it comes to property rights, God is no respecter of persons. So the president, you know, the CEO, the chief executive officer of any big company, you know, the high and mighty, which probably, I don't know, I don't know all of you, but most of us probably would say, well, that's not me. But those who are very wealthy have high positions. You know, I mean, the president of the United States, Donald Trump. Yeah, he's still the president, by the way. He is to value another person's property just as much as the lowest in society is to value it. But also, oh, I've seen this too where those who are what we would say the lower ones, who are, have very little. And you know, they're employed by some high and mighty guy. They get to thinking that they have every right to someone else's property, especially when they're rich. So it's as if it's okay to kind of steal from them, and they don't even call it stealing, because after all, he's rich, so I have a right to it. And yes, we should know that that's the basic principle of socialism, that the rich are only, only rich because it's on the backs of the poor that they got rich, and so on. We don't want to go into an economics lesson here, but that's all part of this mentality that, you know, I'm working for him, and I'm so poor, and he has everything, and he has way more than he needs, and, you know, but just think of it. Who are you to say how much he needs, right? God gave him his wealth. And hopefully he didn't get it by being crooked. He got it by starting his business that you're working for, and so on. The point is, God does not treat people this way. And nor should we. It doesn't matter high or low. We have to see we share the same guilt. And we have to respect one another's property, no matter what our station is in life. So here, anyone who would know forgiveness, he had to bring an offering. And it was of the flock, a goat or a sheep. 
And it had to be a male. A male without blemish. It says a ram. That's a male, by the way. We've seen this also in the past. That a male without blemish, that's the most costly offering, right? Because a male is needed for further breeding, for the furtherance of your flock, and so on. So it was a very costly thing to bring this offering. And obviously this speaks to us about Jesus. And the precious price to pray for our trespasses and sins. And then also, once again, in this offering we see the need of what the Bible calls atonement. Right? A covering of sins. And it's always through blood. Right? It obviously shows in all of this that God takes trespasses very serious. These sins had to be covered, atoned for, in order to be forgiven. And then there's another part of knowing that you are forgiven, knowing that the guilt is removed. Along with the offering, if you look at verse 15 in chapter 5, there had to be a valuation. Now, this is a little bit confusing, but from my studies, my understanding is that this valuation is like an estimation of what the person tried to gain in the trespass. So he tried to gain this much, and that's what it's valued at. So a little bit like what we would call today to pay a fine. And the amount of the fine, it says, was estimated according to the shekel of the sanctuary. Well, this too is, you know, completely foreign to us, obviously. But just so that you understand, the sanctuary shekel, it was based on a standard weight. So you see the amount of this fine, this valuation that was paid, it had to be true money. And at that time, there were many kinds of false coins. So the point is that along with admitting guilt by bringing this offering, one also had to pay what we probably today would call a fine. And the amount of it wasn't decided by the person. It wasn't arbitrary. It was really decided by God through the priests. They had to make the valuation. So here again, we see that the standard is God's. It's not man's. And then there's something more. Along with what we've just gone over, he had to also make restitution, as it's called. You see it in chapter 5, verse 16, and also chapter 6, verse 5. He must restore the full value of what's been taken or what was harmed. And then added to that full value, he had to pay another one-fifth. One-fifth of the value of it. So, 20%. Earlier we heard in Exodus 22 that some cases required to pay double. But in it all, it becomes very clear that God does not want crime to pay. Does not want sin to be an advantage. We surely know the saying, crime doesn't pay. Well, that comes from this principle. Because, think about it, if there is no fine and there is no need to make restitution, then 
Man in his sinful nature will think to himself, well, if I take this, and if I don't get caught, I keep it. And if I get caught, well, the worst that happens is I give it back. See? I have nothing to lose. But, if I get caught, and I not only have to give it back, but I also have to pay a fine, and then I also have to pay... More than that. Well, it doesn't pay. (laughs) And that's what God wants us to see. Also this morning. God wants his people to see that crime, that sin, never pays. Sin is always a debt. In our sins, we always end up owing more. than what we thought we would have an advantage in sinning. So we all need to think seriously about this. Yeah, I'm tempted to say so young people, but it's true for all of us. We sometimes think, oh, I'll be so happy. I will just so enjoy this. But if it's against God's law, if it's a sin, not only won't you be happy, but you'll have that burden we started out talking about. In Mark 8, it says, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, you know, meditate on this. Think about this. In your life, gaining the whole world means... Kind of like what we read earlier in Ephesians 2. Oh, I just, I just, I just know this will make me so happy. Living by the desires of the flesh. I have such strong desires for this or for that. This girl, really, really, I like her. She's an unbeliever, but I just know that we'll be so happy together. I'm only saying that because I've heard it. You can gain the world and lose your soul. And what will you give in exchange for your soul? Brothers and sisters, it's so important to see that sin always is a debt and we'll always end up owing more than we can pay as a result of it. And then also, to know the comfort of being forgiven. We can't know that without making restitution. See, in a real sense, this restitution was a sign of the fruits of repentance. In other words, by being willing to pay, you show you're truly sorry. One who truly is sorry, who admits his guilt, in a sense he's happy to pay back what he has got. What he got through deception. Because he just wants to be free of that burden of guilt. And you think of the example of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. You know, Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he had defrauded many people for his own advantage. And once he came to see his sins, his trespasses, and in order to know forgiveness from Jesus, 
Zacchaeus said, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, in other words, by extortion, I restore fourfold. See, Zacchaeus was happy to pay back four times what he had wrongfully taken from others. And if someone is not willing to pay a fine and to make restitution, he really shows he was not really sorry for his sins. In conclusion, brothers and sisters, I pray that we see that here in this trespass offering, God is teaching us some very important and serious lessons. One of them is, in our dealings with the property and rights of others, we are to be absolutely fair and honest. We are not to practice any kind of deception or falsehood so that, you know, we can get a little bit more for ourselves. And maybe we first of all have to realize that by our sinful nature, that's what lurks in all of us. I mean, who doesn't want to get a little bit more? And again, this is true if we have a lot or if we have very little. We saw that in this trespass offering, the offering was the same, same value for everybody. So don't try to excuse yourself by saying, well, he has a lot more than me. God says we are to be absolutely fair and honest regarding the property of others. But also, we are to be absolutely fair and honest regarding God's property. And we need to truly be convinced that everything we have belongs to God. But even beyond that, we ourselves, if we claim to be believers, if we are professing Christians, we belong to Him. He paid to own us. He paid the precious blood of Jesus to make us His people. So as Jesus said in Luke 20, give to God the things that are God's. That includes yourself and everything you do. And that also includes how you treat the property of others. So in, in it all, may we truly see and may we confess that we need a trespass offering. We didn't see it all in detail, but for Achan, for Achan, there was no trespass offering. And so he and his family were brought to the valley of Achor, and there they were stoned to death and burnt with fire. It's not a pretty sight, but it's a picture of another not a pretty sight, and that is eternal hell. That's what it's a picture of. And you see, the same is true of you and me, unless we have a trespass offering. We have that same judgment from God. Eternal hell. So you see, just as Jesus, as we saw before, he's our sin offering, so he is also our trespass offering. He is the offering who gave his life in our place. He poured out his own blood for our trespasses and sins. And apart from that, 
We read it in Ephesians 2. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. But even when we were dead in trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ Jesus, right? There's a passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, verse 10. It says, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. That is, the Lord is God the Father. To bruise him is to bruise Jesus. And then it says, When you make his soul an offering for sin. Now, it's a bit technical, but that word sin there is actually a trespass offering. When you make his soul, that is, when the Father makes the soul of Jesus an offering for a trespass offering. So this morning, I pray that you and that I, that we hear the Spirit of God speaking and calling to admit your guilt, to believe in Jesus Christ as your only Savior, as the offering for your sins and your trespasses. And then may you and I also hear and know that most wonderful sound. I forgive you from God. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have earlier confessed sins to you, and now having heard your word, oh, may it be true in each of our hearts, also in the hearts of our children, our young people, everyone, that we are guilty of many trespasses. And we need Jesus Christ as the offering for those trespasses. Father, we pray we would be free from the burden of guilt and shame for our sins. And it's only possible, as we have heard, by the work of your Spirit and your grace to help us to do what naturally we'll never do, and that is admit that we're guilty and flee to you for forgiveness and then to also know forgiveness. O oh Lord, grant, grant your word that it may accomplish the purpose that you have given to work in us these truths. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.